0: The ESPN San Antonio Audio Vault is powered by AA Best Bail Bonds.
1: 210 225 2121. Or online at
2: mybestbailbonds.com.
0: Michael Jimenez.
2: Halftime.
3: Yes, sir. It's halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250. 94.5 94.5 FM, soon to be 103.3, beginning on February 1st. We're on the go at sasportstar.com. My name is Michael Jimenez. I'll be your host from 12 to 2. Halftime, it's about sports, pop culture, nostalgia. Carl Shonick is producing the show. What's going on, Carl? Nothing much, Mike. How are you doing? Dude, I am fantastic today, man. I am fantastic. It's a big show today, man. Lots to talk about again. Sports, pop culture, nostalgia. At twelve thirty, we'll be talking to Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs and Cam's Five. Man, the Spurs beat the living crap out of the OKC Thunder last night. Dejounte Murray staying his case for that All Star bid. And you know what, Carl? I was thinking about it. I got to come up with a, with a player who came from a losing team that somehow made his way onto the All Star team, and I have a perfect example. Of how it's happened in the past and we'll get into that at 1230 at 1245 man I saw this all over Twitter on Barstool Sports today everywhere we have the sound of this video of this female news reporter giving a a report live on air she got hit by a truck and got back up and continued her story amazing sound we'll get into that around 1245 at 1 o'clock man the Girl Scouts are coming out baby I saw my first request, got my first request for, will you buy some Girl Scouts? So I had to ask our listeners on Twitter, what is your favorite Girl Scout cookie? And I'll give you the poll results. Still time to vote on this. You can go on to Twitter. My handle is at Mike ESPNSA. Carl is at Carl ESPN Carl with a K. We're live on Facebook and YouTube. You can leave a comment, subscribe, and like, SA Sports Star. Good times, man. Welcome to the show again. It's Sports, Pop Culture, and Nostalgia. You know, it was kind of a weird morning, man, because uh, there was no school for kids. Apparently, it was dangerous. Kind of weird. But uh, it was so dangerous that at 6.38 this morning, I got up and bought my wife breakfast tacos. It was apparently not dangerous enough for her to send me out for tacos. It wasn't that bad, though. They they assumed it would be much worse than it was. Yeah, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going on regarding this. But one thing I can say, Carl, is the second I walked out the door... I said this. I said...
2: Burr! It's cold in here! I said there must be some Toros in the atmosphere! E-O, ice, ice, ice! O-E-O, E-O, ice, ice, ice! Here we go, girls!
3: Love it. Bring it on, baby! Burr, it's cold in here! There must be some Toros in the atmosphere! Dude, I say that every time it gets cold for the first time. Every, every time since the year 2000... When this movie came out, starring Kirsten Dunst, Eliza Dushku, uh, you know Jesse Bradford was in that movie. I am I am not ashamed to say that I have seen Bring It On probably a hundred times in my lifetime. That's a sign that you have a daughter. I <laughs> yes, I have two daughters. You know, I have two daughters. One that's in high school. I mean, high school and college now. That I show that to a lot when she was in middle school and in high school. And I have a nine-year-old. Now I'm thinking about it. I have to show her this movie because I think that she'll like it. And I was thinking about it. You know, going back in time. See, this movie came out in 2000. So I was 23 years old when that movie came out. And I'm thinking to myself, man, Eliza Dushku she's beautiful, right? But is it creepy now? Because now I'm 44 years old. If I was to go back in time and watch Bring It On, I can't have those thoughts anymore, right, man? That's just not right.
1: That's on your conscience. Don't don't uh, try to rationale with me. Well, I,
3: I know what you mean. I mean, Kristen Dunst and Eliza Dushko are still very, very attractive. You know, I, I saw a poll
1: one time that was taken where, as women got older, they thought that the ideal attractiveness for men. Was also getting older, mm-hmm. and then it, it was a bar graph that when it showed men as they got older, it all stayed 19 to 25. <laughs> they, 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 they all pretty much said, "Oh, 19 to 25, but as women got into like their 50s, they said, "Oh, men in their 40s are you know the ideal, attractive, and you know, as they got to 60 s, oh men in their 40s or 50s, you know, but men always 19
3: to 25. You know, Gabrielle Union, Mrs. Dwayne Wade was also in that movie. And she did a fantastic job. And you mentioned to me earlier that there were a lot of these sequels. Yeah. I,
1: mean, I was unaware of that. I have a cousin who uh, I think she went to Duquesne for cheerleading, so she was huge into you know that that whole competition lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure she saw all twelve of those movies. I think they all they 12. made a lot.
2: They,
1: they made a lot. I don't think I've ever actually seen it, but it's been on in the background during family family
3: gatherings with her around. Straight to video. Uh, one of my favorite scenes from Not Another Teen Movie is the parody that they do of Bring It On, where they're like, oh, it's already been brought in, Jamie Presley doing that that part. But, you know, it got me thinking, man, because I have a strange mind, and before this show started, I'm driving in, and I'm thinking to myself, laughing that I did that whole there must be some Toros in the atmosphere thing this morning. And I was thinking about, like, teenage movies, and is it inappropriate to now watch them? My wife got kind of weirded out when I was watching American Pie the other day. And, I mean, I mean uh, that movie, I loved when it came out. It was probably like 99. I was in my early 20s. I identified a lot with these characters in some respect. And, you know, now I think about it, I don't think I can show that to my daughter or, or recommend that to her because there's certain characters that would not be allowed. There's certain scenes that would not be allowed. Back in the 80s, there was movies like Porky's, and there were movies like that that uh, just made it, it was very, very nasty. I mean, I remember not being able to watch movies probably because of that growing up. Uh, You know, certain shower scenes and things like that. Police Academy had various scenes that were similar to that. Um, In the 90s and early 2000s, it was just very dirty, but it was, like, funny dirty. And it just got me thinking about some of these characters, man. And, you know, when it comes to, like, teen movies. You were mentioning earlier today that there was a movie that you liked that was teen related that you've seen many times.
1: I think they called them stoner movies when I was growing up, and it was uh, Dude, Where's My Car? It was the worst 45 minutes in movie history followed up by the best 45 minutes in movie history. It was like the entire first terrible half of the movie was a setup for a great second half of the movie, because uh, what was it, Ashton Kutcher? I can't remember who the other guy is. They they killed the the second uh, half. Yeah, of the Sean movie. William
3: Scott is mm-hmm. in that movie, and Sean William Scott, oddly enough, there hasn't been anything that he's been in that I did not like. I mean, he's batting a thousand with me. I mean, he was he had a bit role in uh in what was that Will Ferrell movie? Uh, Old School. He had a bit role oh, yeah. in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the American Pie movies. He was in uh, uh Dude Where's My Car. Uh, he was in that movie with Billy Bob Thornton. I mean, he he's just he's just a, a a very strange character. But going back to that movie that you were talking about, that stoner movie, Day, uh, uh, talk about Days and Few, Those are stoner movies right there. But going back to Sean William Scott, there's that scene in Dude Where's My Car where they are ordering Chinese food, and that cannot be done again. Where the lady on the, on, on the intercom is going and then and then. And then, it is such a funny scene, but that can never be done again. And not only that, Sean William Scott as Stifler on American Pie. I don't think that character can ever exist again.
1: Because of political culture, politically correct culture, or was there something else he had in mind? Yeah,
3: that's exactly what I'm thinking. You know, uh, this, this is the political culture of it all, because, you know, political correctness when it comes to it, because... You know, as Stifler, you know, he's homophobic. You know, that's one thing. Mm. Uh, he is also very, very sexual. He, he's very uh, vulgar. He's just a, a very bad guy. But when it comes to the bros, though, you know, he's a guy's guy. He's a locker room guy. And it's just kind of a weird thing. Uh, he was in the movie Goon. That was pretty good. Uh, I loved him in Role Models uh, with uh, Paul Rudd, America's Sexiest Man. Paul Rudd uh, was in that movie. So Sean William Scott, kind of weird because, again, Uh, the movie Road Trip he was in, Bloodline. I've loved all of these movies. I saw Road Trip just like three days ago. And it's just so funny, but I was just thinking about these teenage movies and whether or not my daughter would want to watch any of these. I know recently, a couple of years ago, uh, there was a movie called Blockers that came out. Have you not seen Blockers? Can't say I've even heard of it. Blockers was basically the female teenage girl version of uh, American Pie. Because the whole point of American Pie was these this group of boys who want to lose their virginity before they graduate. And Blockers is a bunch of teenage girls who are, who want the same thing. And, and it's Blockers because the parents want to block that from happening, right? And it's a play on words and whatnot, but I will tell you what, that is one of the funniest movies I have ever seen. I've, I would say that it's probably one of the best comedies that I've seen in the last 15 years because... We are in 2022. I think good comedy stopped around 2012. And I think the only good comedy that I've seen in the last 10 years is probably Blockers. Like a a legit, gross-out, funny comedy is Blockers. Because, man, back in the early 2000s, when you had, like, The Hangover, and you had uh, movies like Road Trip, and you had The American Pies, and you had uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall... There were a lot of good movies. Did you like any of those movies, Carl? Were you into any of these movies in the early 2000s?
1: You you know, you're you're probably forgetting that I was nine in 2000. I get that. So, you know, there's probably certain things that would have either gone above my head or I don't think it would have been best for my parents to have allowed me to watch those. Well, (laughs) Go to school talking about, you know, American Pie. It might not have ended up
3: too well for a 10-year-old Carl. Well, John Cena is actually in Blockers. He's one of the stars in that movie. Oh, so, yeah, so cool. he's good in that movie. Leslie Mann's also in there. Ike Barinholtz, Catherine Newton, uh, Gideon Adlon. Um, it, it's a very very good movie for those of you like gross out comedy movies or just like just kind of out there. This is a Blockers was one of those movies where I thought it was very smart. They took the concept of American Pie and gave it a heart, and it was a really good movie. Highly recommend. But again, it is rated R. It's a gross out movie at times. Uh, but uh, I really enjoyed that movie. Hey, reach out to us on Facebook and on YouTube if you want to reach out, leave a comment. What is your favorite teen movie, and why? Just tell me why. Why Why did you like that movie? Just Don't just say, you know, I like Days and Confused. Why did you like Days and Confused? Is it because Matthew McConaughey's there going, all right, all right, all right, or is it American Pie? What is your favorite movie? Tell us why. Again, on Facebook or on YouTube, you can like and subscribe to San Antonio Sports Star, The Kielbasa Bacon phone lines are also open if you want to talk about any of these topics at 656-ESPN. That is 656-ESPN. Again, we go till 2 o'clock. Carl, this morning, like I said, 638 this morning, I walked outside. My wife said, can you warm up the car? And I'm wondering to myself, why do my kids who go to Northside ISD, why are they off from school? There was no ice on the road. And all of these predictions that there would be ice on the road were never going to happen, man. And it's the, I'm not that guy who does who says, oh, I don't trust the weather guy, whatever the case may be. It snowed seven inches in my house earlier this, last year. I know cold weather happens. But I'm looking at my weather app, and I live in a part of town that's typically colder than the average. And I'm there going, it says a low here of 35 or 36. What seems to be the issue? And I'm here going, man, there's got to be some northerners out here. People from Colorado, from the Northeast, or whatever the case may be, might be looking at this going, are you serious? Half the city did not go to school today? And now there's talks rumbling that there might be another day? There's no snow on the road. There's no ice on the road. What's going on here, Carl?
1: I don't know. I think that we're really just dealing with uh, people who are scared of what could happen. And if the information that we have, which is a lot of supercomputers that, you know, do a lot of calculations, say that there's going to be snow and sleet, then I imagine they just wanted to be proactive. And, and, you know, you and I went to Texas State. Yeah. They would literally wait until the flood had already come before they said, (laughs) okay, you guys can't come because nobody can make it up the hills. Oh, yeah.
3: I've Yeah. I've been trapped in San Marcos before. You know, as an adult, been trapped because they wait, like you said, to the very, very last minute to do anything in that town. Um you know i've heard conspiracy theories saying that this is kind of a way to kind of slow down uh the spread of covid i know in my daughter's school in her classroom s- multiple people in her classroom these you know 9 and 10 year olds contracted covid over the weekend or they tested positive over the weekend so i can see that that being the possibility and it, and it's it's awful that that's happening to kids and uh, uh spreading around and hopefully they all recover and it's just it's just um I just thought it was kind of a joke if it was really about weather. Because, again, if it's getting down to the 20s, if it's getting down to the teens, and you know that ice is going to be there, then I understand. But, man, I thought this was a little bit of an overreach, a little Uh, overkill. I think it was
1: supposed to be some kind of precipitation. We had heard maybe snow way earlier in the week last night. It looked like it was projected to rain, I wake up and it's about as dry as it gets. In fact, it was 37 degrees when I left my house around 5.15 this morning. And um, it uh, it wasn't even something where I had to defrost my front and rear windshield. So we've had worse, and it just seems like people were expecting much worse. So if you're of the
3: conspiracy theory, you talk to a lot more parents in your school than (laughs) I do. My wife was very happy, though, because... No school means no buses on the road, means parents aren't dropping their kids off, which means she got to work probably about 20 minutes faster, and that makes her a happy wife. Happy wife, happy life, I'm good with it. And you got her tacos. And I got her tacos from Sandra's on Petrenko Road. Let's talk some sports, baby. Let's get some headlines in. Here's Carl with the 411 in the 210.
0: Here's the 411
3: in the 210.
0: Headline 2.
1: Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians fined $50,000 for striking safety Andrew Adams as the coach is fined by the NFL for swiping his hand at Adams' helmet during the wild card game against Philadelphia on Sunday. Arians was attempting to move Adams who was trying to pull a player out of the pile after a muff punt by Jalen Rager, ugh, which would have drawn a penalty. He can still be seen he can be seen slapping Adams' helmet hard with a hand open and then elbowing him. Adams wasn't penalized on the play, and Arian said Wednesday, I'll appeal it, it ain't got nothing to do with the game, so we're good. A source told ESPN the note to Arian stated that he displayed, quote, conduct directed towards your players that fell below the standards expected of an NFL head coach.
3: And it was his own player? Yes, it was his own player. Okay. The Adams. Okay, I'm not saying that that was acceptable because it's his own player. I mean, that's like saying I can hit my own kid, uh, but I can't hit yours, right? Um, wow, that's strange, man. I mean, I understand the fine, but can you imagine if it was an opposing player, they would have lost draft pick or or two if that had happened. But you know, they. I, I know. I. The thing is, is that coaches want the players to have a level head and not get penalties and not have outbursts, well, they need to act the same way on the sidelines.
1: Yeah, it, it probably could have been a suspension or further if it were somebody else's player, but he actually came onto the field. It's not like he even stayed on the sidelines wow. and hit him afterwards. So, yeah, I, I watched every minute of that sad game uh, for the <laughs> I Eagles. Forgot. They were down 31-0. So, I remember even Troy was thinking that it was like sort of a congratulatory firing him up, and then he realized it was like, no, he's legitimately mad and just hit him. So so <laughs> Troy's like, well, I guess I don't know what that is there, but, you know, wh- whatever, we move on. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that those kind of things happen.
0: Headline one.
1: Kellen Moore completes his interview with the Vikings. Mike, does he become the next head coach
3: of the Minnesota Vikings? I don't see it, man. I don't think Kellen Moore is going to have a head coaching gig at all. I think what's going on here is two things. One is I think there's feelers out there to get to know him a little bit better. Sometimes these young coaches go through interviews, these coordinators go through interviews in order to be better understood and be learned by by the opposing teams, Right. I think he'll get the second wave, potentially, maybe in about a year or two. But man, how can you hire a Kellen Moore, who the first question they're going to ask him if he's the new Vikings coach or if he's the new coach at another team, hey, what was going on with 14 seconds to go and have a quarterback draw? Do you really want to have that conversation and hire that guy that that was the last play that he called for the Dallas Cowboys? I think that play right there took him out of contention for all these teams. But I understand that these teams want to meet with him, know more about him, and know more about his philosophy. But I think he's going to get the second or third round. Kind of like in the NBA. Emi Yadoka wasn't hired right away. I mean, He had to go through a process. Becky Hammond's been doing that as well. It's a process for younger coaches to kind of finally get promoted in in many cases. I just
1: wonder if you're the offensive coordinator that led the number one offense all season long, it's got to be at least an appealing uh, uh, and understandable hire if they do decide to take him away from the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And So, I I mean, I could see it both ways, but I understand where you're coming from because, what, he was only quarterback coach three years ago? Right. So, So it's a pretty quick upgrade for him to go from that to head coach. Now,
3: Dan Quinn, though, I think he's a goner. And uh, oh, someone's gonna hire him. I think someone's gonna hire him. Give and then that that's gonna force the Cowboys to make a decision: keep McCarthy or keep Quinn. And to be honest with you, from the outside looking in, I'm not a Cowboy fan. But if that was my team, I'd want Quinn as my as my head coach.
1: Oh well, I, I I don't know what you can really say about McCarthy in 2022 because it seems like a lot of people say that his 2021 success was on his coordinators, Mm -hmm. but I kind of think that the offense was so bad in in 2020, 2021, that it made the defense that much worse, and the defense was pretty bad, and then they invested, I think it was like eight of their 11 draft picks on On defense, defense. and six of the first picks were all defense, and they're probably going to continue that trend. So while it would definitely hurt, To have to find a new defensive coordinator doesn't
3: necessarily mean that it's all on Dan Quinn. You are an Eagles fan. Knowing that the Eagles and Cowboys pulled a trade where the Cowboys moved from 13 to 12 and the Eagles dropped from 12 to 13 so that the Cowboys could get Micah Parsons. In retrospect, how does that make you feel? I wanted
1: Devontae Smith because I felt like our receiving core needed something, but Micah Parsons was a... As much as you know, it makes sense that the Eagles would take someone from Penn State. He was a COVID opt out, which really did make him more of a question mark than anything. So at the time, I didn't really think much of it. But now, obviously, yeah, I would rather have Micah Parsons than Devontae Smith. It,
3: it was was it was it the Cowboys that moved up, right? The Cowboys.
1: So the Eagles were eight, and then they traded back to twelve. The Cowboys were ten. The Giants were eleven. The Giants wanted Devonte Smith, so the Cowboys and the Eagles did that little handshake emoji and swap picks, yeah. so the Eagles could get Devonte Smith. That's ahead of what the it Cowboys. was. I,
2: I,
3: yes. I knew in the back of my head, I was like, "Wait a minute, that didn't sound right." There was there was a, a, a different type of switch going on, but it was weird that that the NFC East competitors, you know, they, the rivals helped each other out. But man, it resulted. Ultimately, and the Cowboys getting Micah Parsons, which is incredible. Yeah who who's who's the guy that uh, the Broncos ended up taking
1: with the first overall pick? I'm blanking on his name. Is it uh, was it Sertan? Sertan. Sertan was who Dallas was very clearly targeting at ten. And then when he was gone by ten, that's when they agreed to the trade. Yeah, JC Horn was also taken from South Carolina, mm-hmm. so it, it worked out for Dallas.
0: Headline zero.
1: Troy Aikman rips Cowboys game plan versus the 49ers after C.D. Lamb only had one catch. The full quote from Troy Aikman on the ticket in Dallas-Fort Worth says, San Francisco rushed four guys for the most part. They blitzed occasionally, but they're a four-man rush football team. But a lot of times when you say that, then you think they're playing coverage. They mixed in some coverage, but there was a lot of single coverage on C.D. Lamb. I hate going back to when I was playing, because <laughs> nobody cares. But what I see around the league, it's not just Dallas. I've seen it with a lot of teams. A lot of these offenses want scheme things. The coordinators, it's all about scheme rather than, this corner is playing soft. He's scared to death. Just run the tree, the route tree, run a comeback, run a dig route, run a curl, run anything. And
0: (laughs)
3: basically, he was mad that CeeDee Lamb only had one catch. And that makes perfect sense. Michael Irvin said it also after the game. He was saying, you know, the stars need to show up that this was not about Cedric Wilson having a big game. This was about CeeDee Lamb needing to have a big game and Amari Cooper and Dak and Zeke and Pollard. I agree with that. That was like, like the smartest thing I'd heard. But the interesting thing is, is that... It's almost like you impose your will, and the Cowboys did not impose their will.
1: No, they only put up 17 points.
3: Right, but, but think about the strategy that they deployed there as, as an offensive unit. You know, the Rams know, everyone knows that the Rams are going to throw the ball to Cooper Cup, and they find a way to get it to Cooper Cup. He has 140 receptions or so this year. They know it's going to go there. It's going to happen somehow or another. Are you telling me that Kellen Moore couldn't have devised a plan to somehow get the ball to CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper? Are you telling me that they couldn't just impose their will when it came to that? Because other teams can. Jimmy G was getting it to, to, to Debo Samuel. I mean, you know, the good quarterbacks and the good offenses get the ball to their playmakers and they didn't do it. And that's yet another reason why I don't think Kellen Moore will be a head coach this go around.
1: That was a trend all season long. Even though they were the number one offense, they were just questions. Why aren't you running Zeke and Pollard more? They essentially made their run game, you know, swing passes and stuff uh, to the flats and so, you know, uh I don't think that either one of them uh, Amari Cooper or CD
3: Lamb had a good season. Neither one of them did. Neither one of them did. That's the 411 and a 2-1 up. I found it. I found it. I found a comparison that is needed to justify DeJounte Murray becoming an all-star. When we come back, Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs will join us to talk about DeJounte and the Spurs beatdown of OKC. This is Halftime on the San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. Welcome back to halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. We're on the go at sasportstar.com. We're going until 2 o'clock. Sports, pop culture, nostalgia. All things fun around here. And whenever I think of fun, I think of Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs (laughs) and Ken's 5. Jeff, we were talking earlier about our favorite teenage comedies. Which one was yours? What's your favorite teenage comedy?
0: Well... I go a little further back. I go to Porky's. I go to um, Meatballs. Um, two good, funny ones. And I think uh, I think every guy listening probably knows why. Those are more of my, one of my favorite ones. And, um, you know, another teenage, I don't want to say a comedy, just a teenage flick, uh, Footloose. I like Footloose. Footloose. Footloose? was good. Yeah. Footloose was fun. That was a fun, fun, fun movie. Correct me if but, I'm yeah.
3: wrong. That's about a town that does not have dancing or it's not allowed. Pretty much.
0: Okay. Pretty much, they, I, I they know about no, it. No
3: dancing, I, and then
0: all of a sudden, everybody dances. That's the whole premise.
3: Yeah, uh, you, I'll probably have to add that to a list of movies that I need to watch that I haven't watched yet. But uh, don't know if that's going to be the movie review next because the movie review next Wednesday is in your honor, and it's also in Rudy oh, J's honor. You guys I have asked me to do one. Urban Cowboy, so that'll be next Wednesday at one thirty. But welcome back to she halftime, am. <laughs> and I will figure out what that means because apparently you guys are on two different teams. I'm going to go ahead and assume that there is some sort of love triangle going on, but man, let's talk about the Spurs real fast. And before yeah, sure. we get into the Spurs, man, because the Spurs beat up on OKC, that's a bad team, yeah. right? That's
2: yeah. that,
3: you know, there are very few teams out there in the NBA right now that I would say I'm a hundred percent confident in saying the Spurs are better than, but yeah, Dejounte Murray, stating his case for an All-Star bid, notched mm-hmm. his eighth triple-double, and on top of right. that, he did this. It was better back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, my goodness! They're limit to <laughs> He's got a ton of assists. An amazing and,
0: play.
3: Oh, Got to make sure that pass gets through. And Drew
0: Eubanks, you can't lay that one up. Exactly. Uh, He's just having fun now. He's just having fun out there in the court.
3: If you weren't watching this game yesterday, Drew Drew Eubanks, thank God he made that bucket. Thank God he threw it down. Because DeJounte (laughs) Murray had the most impressive assist I have ever seen him make. It was a between the legs assist, but it wasn't from the forward back, it was from the back. Forward to a cutting mm-hmm. Drew Eubanks, who dunked it over two players. That right there is his highlight reel for the All-Star team this year.
0: Apparently, uh, you know, apparently fans don't see this stuff because the third fan voting returns are in now officially. Mm-hmm. Not one spur is listed. So fans are still pulling for Westbrook to make it over <laughs> DeJounte. Clay Thompson to make it over DeJounte. Damian Lillard to make it over De- I The list goes on and on. Fans, uh, open your eyes. DeJounte is doing some great things in San Antonio. But I still think there is that outside shot for him to make it via the coaching or a player simply says, I'm going to take the, the weekend off or a, or a COVID hit. I hope he makes it. He earns it. He's doing everything for San Antonio. I think you know the, the record is bad enough, but I think without his play, it could be even worse. So, yeah, kudos to DeJounte he's got to make it sometime in his career, whether it be this year or next year.
3: He's uh, got to. He
0: gets yeah, he has to, man. He's earned it. But yeah, they definitely beat up on the Thunder, a, t- a game they had to win, a game on paper they should beat, and they did. I get why Spurs fans were kind of biting their fingers ahead of the game because, you know, they did lose to the Thunder earlier this season. The Thunder were on a three-game winning streak against the Spurs. Uh, Spurs played down with the competition, but good on San Antonio. Rose occasion, took care of business early, fast, got some of the guys that play major minutes some rest. Good, because they got a couple of uh, big games ahead of them, Brooklyn tomorrow, and then the 76ers after.
2: DeJounte
3: Murray with a triple-double. Not only that, it only took three quarters, because he rested the fourth. 23 points, 14 assists, 10 yeah. rebounds. Spurs put up 118 points. Kind of weird, because they were at 106 at the end of three. Only scored 12 yeah. points in the fourth quarter in junk time. But by then, the yeah. Spurs were, uh, had a huge lead. Right now...
0: And, and, and but, how good is it, too, for the for the team to just make
3: threes? And uh, go figure, <laughs> you
0: know, in, in the era of making threes, you, you make your threes, guess what? Your odds of winning just shoot up astronomically. So the Spurs knock down their threes. Just hope they can sustain this momentum. You, you know, um, the season's pretty much been addictive of this. Win one, lose three. You mm-hmm. lose four in a row, so... Enjoy these wins as they come. They might be few and far between the rest of the season. But hey, Pop is only nine games away from that record, that all time regular season coaching record.
1: That's awesome. So, uh, and he has thirty seven
3: games to do it.
0: Yep. I think I think yeah, I think that's pretty much all, but in there. I, I hope I hope I hope yeah, so too. I'm, yeah.
3: DeJounte's stats yeah. have been moving upward big time this month. He is now at nineteen point one points per game. Now at 8.9 assists per game and 8.4 rebounds. Hey, Jeff, I was thinking about it. I mean, we've had all this talk Mm -hmm. about DeJounte deserves it. DeJounte deserves it. And I've been saying for the longest time, it's very difficult for a player to make the all-star team coming from a losing team. And I was trying, I was wrecking my brain thinking about it going, there's got to be a recent or somewhat recent all-star that made it despite coming from a losing team. And I I, mm-hmm. I thought about it and I was like, wait a minute. I know. And then I go up to basketball, you know, encyclopedia, and guess what? It was right. Sharif Abdurrahim is wow. the precedent. He is the wow. precedent. In two thousand two, made the All Star team for an Atlanta team that was thirty three and forty nine. He averaged twenty-one points, seven and a half rebounds, and three assists. I would argue that a nineteen nine and 9 is better than that. He came from a losing team. That mm-hmm. was his first and only All-Star appearance.
0: I'm going to need probably your help and Carl's help on this one, but my guest uh, from the Spurs uh, history was Alvin Robertson. I got I you, baby. Alvin, I got Alvin you. Robertson,
3: yeah, yeah, correct me on that. He was a four-time All-Star three times with the Spurs. He was an All-Star in 85-86, 86-87, and 87 88. The Spurs mm-hmm. records those years 35 and 47, 28 right, and 54, 31 yep. and 51. So, to the mem- to the members of the jury, we present this case that shows there is a precedent for a an all-star to come from a losing team, not only in the NBA, but in Spurs history. And by the way, Jeff Garcia I mentioned the other day that I thought that Alvin Robertson was the second best point guard in Spurs history behind Tony Parker. People looked at me strange and thought it was weird that I said that. But I mean, come let, on.
0: Let, let, let me let me let me stop you there. I saw, I witnessed Alvin play at the old Hammons Arena. Um, he was Kawhi Leonard before Kawhi Leonard, and then like uh, Kawhi Leonard though. He just was, was healthy and he stayed on that court um, and didn't bounce, try to dip. He was traded away. Uh, but, you know, he 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 was uh, on the court. This guy was phenomenal, phenomenal. One of the only few players ever to get a quad dub. Oh yeah, uh, in NBA history. So, Dude, by d- the way, do you think Dejounte Murray could get a quad dub? Uh, Let's we'll see what Carl has to say. You got to say, I think you could.
3: No, think, because blocks, I don't think, would happen. He doesn't get a lot of blocks. Steals. I think his career steals. is seven
0: steals. Seven steals is
1: his yes. career high. He had against right. the uh,
0: yeah. LeBron uh, exactly. Cavs a few years ago. Mm hmm. Might be yeah, right. I think he could do it via steals. I think he, I got him penciled in as far as the next person in Spurs history. Hopefully, he could do it to get the next quad dub. Because two of the four players that were to do it came from San Antonio David Robinson. That's amazing. And Adam Robertson.
3: That's, that's amazing. Hey, real fast. uh... Talking about the game against the Nets. What do you think, man? Spurs have any legitimate shot of because I mean in Brooklyn, you were at that game. Yeah, well they went to overtime. That was the Spurs were shorthanded because of COVID. Do you think the Spurs can make a can make a game out of it because there's no Durant?
0: Yeah, I, I think they can, but at the same time, you know, you got Kyrie Irving coming back. Uh Kyrie Irving historically uh plays well against San Antonio in the AT&T center. I was there that night when he was playing with Cleveland, where he just went bananas on the on the team, just was scoring left and right. Uh, he has capable of doing that. Him and Harden, uh, I think it'll be a good test for the Spurs backcourt of Lonnie, I'm sorry, of uh, DeJounte and Derek. That'll be fun. to think. But I think the Spurs can at least make it a game, as they did in Brooklyn. The team plays up to its competition. We've seen this team beat, um, you know, the Jazz in their gym. We've seen this team uh, take it to the Suns, nearly beat them a couple times. Uh, We saw recently the Nets, you know, force overtime. Can they recall uh, Primo real fast just for this one game so he can be clutch again? Exactly. That'd be great.
2: He'll
1: he'll be Um, playing
3: the Memphis Hustle on Friday night with Zach. Yeah. Hey, is the Bryn Forbes trade already finalized? Because I remember yesterday there were some questions as to whether or not it had been finalized, that there were some details to iron out.
0: Oh, it's it's all but done. It's official now. Yeah, yep. it, it, it's, it's
1: official. Hernan Gomez yeah. isn't with the team at the moment, or at least on the last injury report, he wasn't. And
3: real mm-hmm. fast, give me a letter grade for the Spurs on that trade.
0: Um, i give it a solid B. Okay. B. okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, Britain was in factor into their future plans, you know. um, You know, they're, it's just a sign that they are really pushing the youth movement this rebuild. You know, they get themselves a draft pick. I get it, twenty twenty eight. you know, but it is something that they can probably bundle if they want to make a move uh, in the near future or in the off-seasons. But, uh, yeah, it just pays the way for minutes for Trey Jones. Uh, primo, when uh, he does uh, come back from Austin to San Antonio, uh, you know, Sprint out more minutes to Vasell and all the young guys. So, yeah, yeah, I don't, no problems with it. Sprint uh, works out for him. He goes to a playoff team a team with another MVP. We saw how he did well playing alongside another big Giannis with Milwaukee. He had a career shooting uh, from the three line. Hopefully it'll pan out for him now playing with Joker in Denver. I know Denver fans were loving it. I, I you know, that they one, won the, the trade. Yeah, they won. They definitely won the trade hands down. But um, that's, the, that's exactly what Denver has been lacking is just outside threat to uh spread that floor for Joker to continue to be Joker and just devastate the league. Um, but yeah, Denver won that, that trade hands down all in all, you know, good for Bryn, but uh,
3: yeah, Spurs rebuild continues, everybody. That's right. Continues tomorrow. tomorrow. Spurs against the Nets, seven 30 at the AT&T center. After that, they play the Rockets and then the Bulls. That was Jeff Garcia from lockdown Spurs and cans five. Follow him on Twitter and also on Spotify. It's a great program there. Lockdown Spurs. A lot of us from the San Antonio Sports Star appeared on the show.
0: Yeah, Carl was on it this Monday. Uh, Got some good uh, feedback on that. You're on up tomorrow. You're on deck, and we have a very heavy topic tomorrow. I think (laughs) Spurs fans are going to be looking at the stat sheet and going, oh, -oh. I didn't know it was like that. So definitely check out Lockdown Spurs tomorrow.
3: Very cool. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. When we come back, two odd stories. Hey, would you be upset? If you donated your kidney and your girlfriend then just broke up with you. Interesting story coming out of Mexico that we're going to talk about. And also this news reporter that, man, survived a very scary, scary moment. This is Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN, AM 1250
0: and 94.5 FM. Opinions, opinions, opinions. We got them. Keep them coming. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN, AM 1250 and 94.5 FM.
3: It's Halftime on the San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. On the go at sasportstar.com. My name's Michael Jimenez. Carl Schoenig is with me. And we have someone else. Carolina Teague is going to join us in this segment right now. Going to begin a new topic here, a new segment here on Halftime. Kind of like a news of the weird. We'll, we'll title it at some point. But I want to bring up some interesting topical stories and get Carolina's opinion on it. Carolina, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. I'm excited to see what we have. Oh, there's a lot of weird news out in the world.
3: A lot of weird news, man. But the thing is, I wanted it to be relatively upbeat or funny or topical, but man, I feel for this guy named Uziel Martinez out in Baja, California, Mexico. So he's south of the border. He's in Mexico. He donated his kidney to his girlfriend's mom. And after the surgery... The girlfriend dumped him and married somebody else. He has gone. Mr. Martinez, a young man, has gone on to TikTok to tell his story. And there are now two and a half million views of people reaching out to him saying, man, are you okay? Are you okay? And he just said he was just basically telling his story. When you hear that, Carolina, was it in bad form? Now, I don't want to say that he was like out of surgery. It was like a couple of weeks after he got out. But still... He donated a kidney. How long should she have stayed with him?
2: <laughs> I, I mean, she should have stayed with him for at least a year after that, two years. I mean, you don't just leave somebody three weeks after they donate their kidney to your mother and then marry somebody else. I feel like this woman, she made a big mistake. Like, you definitely need to marry the guy that gives you your the mother, your their kidney, instead of a random guy that probably wouldn't do the same. I think she made a mistake. A huge mistake. I feel bad for the guy. He doesn't have a kidney now. Now that (laughs) kidney fails, he needs a kidney from somebody else, or he's gone, too. I feel really bad for this guy.
3: So you're saying, because he saved her mom's life, that she needs to at least dedicate one to two years of her own life to him, even if she's not in love?
2: Well, I mean... You think that she would have told him, hey, I'm not in love with you, before she de- he decided to give up his kidney? <laughs> why would you wait until – I mean, that's pretty – I don't know. That's pretty evil. I mean, why would you wait to tell him you didn't love him until after the surgery? Yeah. That conversation – when you don't love somebody, you don't love them for a while. I mean, she didn't wake up one day and just say, I don't love him anymore. Some- I mean, she probably didn't love him for a while.
1: Her mom needed a kidney, though, and he had the same <laughs> blood type.
2: <laughs> that's 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 messed up we don't do stuff like that i mean yeah i mean that's pretty selfish of her i mean now he gave up a kidney and he that he's not a part of her life anymore i feel really bad for this guy
3: something tells me that dude that other guy was in the picture all along i mean come on they got married right away but uh you know he went on tiktok over two million views feel sorry for the guy he says that you know he has no hard feelings and that they're on decent terms But come on, man. I feel like deep down inside, he's like, man, I cannot believe I was that much of a simp.
2: No, I don't... Yeah, exactly. I don't believe him. Like, for him to say no hard feelings... I mean, he has to have hard feelings. He took his story to TikTok. I mean, nobody takes their business to social media unless you're really affected by something. So, I mean, he definitely has to be affected by it. He's lying. He's not okay with it. Um, (laughs) He's obviously trying to self... uh, give himself some type of self-therapy by taking his stuff to TikTok. But... I think the positive part is that they pay TikTok creators. So if you go viral, I mean, you could possibly be getting paid now. So that could be a silver lining situation out of that whole mess.
3: Now, speaking of going viral, there's a story coming out of West Virginia of a news reporter. Get this. It's her last week on the job. She's live on air when this happens. Her main breaks. She just got, got hit by a truck.
2: Got hit by a car, but I'm okay. I just got hit by a car, but I'm well, okay, Tim. That's personal. I'm, for I'm you okay. On TV, Jory. Whoa, we're all good. Are you okay? I'm okay.
4: Yeah, you know, that's live TV for you. It's all good. I actually got hit by a car in college, too, just like that. Wow. <laughs> I am so glad I'm okay. Yeah. You're okay. You're okay.
2: We're all good. This is all.
3: Uh... She's standing you know
2: up now. It's uh, all. One sure more okay, She's back on camera. Good, Tim. Ma'am, you, sure okay? you are so sweet and you're okay it is all good you know i <laughs> oh lord so you you know it's my last week on the job and i think this would happen
3: last week on the job not the first time she's been hit by a truck but i will say this carolina i'll ask you this question would you have said a curse word had you gotten hit by a truck even if you were on live radio
2: Absolutely, yeah. I would have (laughs) cursed. I got hit by a truck. I would have cursed all day long. And you know, this is this is pretty telling. You know, it shows that like a lot of people in media, they don't get paid a lot, and that's just kind of the truth. I mean, the truth is people don't get paid too much. So when you get hit by a car and all these things, it's considered you're risking your everything for your job, and you're dedicated. So that's number one. I think that's not fair. That may be one of the reasons why she got back up to kind of prove that she's willing to report, no matter what happens to her, even if she gets hit by a car.
3: This shows and- that women are stronger than men, okay? Women endure childbirth. Absolutely. The worst a guy does is go through kidney stones, and I know that that's nothing like nothing like pregnancy, right? But man, she mm-hmm. got up within about 15 seconds. I mean, think about, Mm -hmm. there are boxers who can't survive a punch to the gut, and and they Mm -hmm. lay on the canvas. She got hit by a 2,000-pound truck, Mm -hmm. going probably about 15, 20 miles an hour, and got back up, didn't curse, and continued her story. Finished her Mm stand-up, did her sign-off, and back to you.
2: Yeah, she's a boss, and uh, that person who was driving the car, they shouldn't be driving, first of all. Like, how are you sorry? You didn't see the camera with the bright light? Did not see the <laughs> well, in front of you?
3: there was a water main break, and apparently it was cold and slippery, so maybe that truck shouldn't have been on the road. I don't know who was driving that, but, you know, she, that- was, saying, she was saying it's all good, it's all good. No, man, go after their insurance. Pain and suffering. Yeah. Pain and suffering. Get me six figures, man. I need some money out of my liver. How my yeah, oh like just, go to the chiropractor? I mean, do something.
2: That's ev- I'm gonna just talk to you from personal experience. That's everyone's excuse. Every time they hit somebody or hit a tree or <laughs> hit an object, they always say that it was slippery on the road. Well, then you shouldn't be driving if it's slippery on the road. You can't control your vehicle. Or get your tires checked at first. And <laughs> also, I do want to say if I was her, I mean, maybe this is just, you know, me coming out a little bit. I wouldn't have gotten back up. I would have uh, filed for uh, workman's comp. <laughs> hit all I on, and I would have sued the lady who, who hit me and just called it a day. And I would have just walked out, you know, I'm a week before leaving, uh, stayed for a little bit to collect my workman's check. And I would have, you know, 2 steps and walk it out
3: after that oh exactly you know what uh and uh you know she could have called Thompson law firm a lawyer for you baby you know she <laughs> she could have gone there and and one of our sponsors could have called them and said hey we're going after their insurance or something but Carolina thanks for being on you know I hope this is a, a recurring theme for us man where we can talk about news of the weird and whatnot because again halftime is about sports pop culture nostalgia and maybe some weirdness thanks for being with us uh, Carolina
2: <laughs> Thanks, Mike,
3: for having me on. When we come back, man, you're going to see girls outside of Walmart hawking some Girl Scout cookies. What is your favorite Girl Scout cookie? Because we have a poll out on Twitter, uh, at MikeESPNSA. You can vote. I mean, are you a Thin Mint person? Are you a do Doe, do a Samoa person? Let us know. We'll be talking more sports on the other side. This is Halftime on the San Antonio Sports Star ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. Michael Jimenez halftime it's our number two of halftime on San Antonio Sports star ESPN AM 1250 and 945 FM on the go at sasportstar.com starting February 1st we will be on 1033 so signing off from 945 going to 1033 bigger signal stronger signal. My name's Michael Jimenez, your host till 2 o'clock. Carl Schoenig is here with me producing the show. Hey, Carl, I'm going to let you know something, man. Got to carry five or six bucks in your pocket at all times because the Girl Scouts are coming for you. They're coming for all of us. I saw on Facebook this week the first request of, oh, by the way, my daughter is in the Girl Scouts and is selling Girl Scout cookies. How many do you want? And man, I know that I'm going to get hounded by a lot of people because I cannot say no. I just can't say no. And the thing about the Girl Scout cookies is you think about like, oh, well, you're going to gain a lot of weight during the holidays. No, man, I gained the most amount of weight during Girl Scout cookie season because I can't say no. And they have so many different flavors. But man, I'm going to be honest with you, Carl. I've only tried maybe about four or five, but uh, are you into Girl Scout cookies? Well, a it's a front,
1: and B <laughs> it's a front for B, what? <laughs> oh, you know those Girl Scouts are up to something. But uh, <laughs> B, no, I, I can't. I can't remember the last time. I I don't know if I've ever personally bought Girl Scout cookies. I know my parents did, and when I was younger, and you know, in high school and such, I would have Girl Scout cookies, but. No, I, I want to say my dad's favorite were thin mints that he would have in the freezer. And the, there were a couple that I liked, but I I never really thoroughly enjoyed them. So maybe
3: I'm saving myself some pounds and calories. You know, it's funny because, you know, I'm trying to watch my weight. You know, I've been going to CrossFit the past uh, month or so. I've been doing my jogging. Uh, I'm down 25 pounds since last May. But man, I'm going to have to put in like double classes and add an extra mile because I cannot say no. You know how I can't say no because I went to Costco the other day and they sell Girl Scout thin mint flavored chocolate covered almonds which are addicting. But I asked the question on Twitter cuz again, I am uh Rudy J says I do the MJPs, which is the Michael Jimenez poll, and I asked the question, what is your favorite Girl Scout cookie? And right now, it is a two-horse race between Thin and Samoas. 76 people have voted, and 43% say Samoas. And Thin mints are number two at 38%, Tagalongs at 11 and 8% for do dough. I am disappointed in you, San Antonio, because the answer to this is and will forever be the do dough. Mm, I don't which know. Which is the peanut butter
1: cookie. Okay, yeah, you know what? I, I'd say that and Samoas are probably my favorite. I had to Google search Samoas real quick, but I do remember enjoying those. And then the peanut butter cookie that was also very good.
3: Yeah, the the Samoas have the chocolate and the coconut, and they taste very very good. And 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 people say, well, what about Thin Mints when they're when they're frozen? Man, if I have to go an extra step to enjoy a cookie, I don't want to do that, man. I don't want to say, okay, I'm going to enjoy this cookie, but first I'm going to put it in the freezer for two or three hours. No, man. What does the cookie taste like? And it's dosi dos and Samoas. And man, I think that the whole peanut allergy thing has been blown out of proportion. I went to McDonald's earlier this week and I want a little Sunday, little little snack, right? You know, I've been running a lot, I've been working out a lot. Cheat meal, a little snack. I want a Sunday. They told me that they will not give me any peanuts because kids have peanut allergies. And I said, I'm in a car with no kids right now. Give me my peanuts. What do you mean? What do you mean that that participating McDonald's do not provide peanuts for Sundays? I'm sorry. I will never buy a Sunday from McDonald's ever again. I will now go to Sonic or someplace else that carries peanuts. I understand that people have peanut allergies. I understand that it is a thing, okay? So don't come at me and say that I don't think that it's not a real medical condition. But, I mean, come on. Not everybody has it.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a lazy excuse to not give you your peanuts.
3: I think so, too. I think they're trying to save money. The one thing that might be fake, I'm not a doctor, but I do play one on radio, is gluten. Okay, the fact of the matter is, is people say, well, is it gluten-free? Well, you know, maybe it's not, but that only affects like 1% of people, so...
1: No, only 1% of people have Hashimoto's disease. About uh... 30% of people are gluten intolerant.
3: Okay, well, you know what? I'm lactose intolerant, but I have cereal every morning. So, I mean, come on, is it going to kill you?
1: Uh, It can cause serious indischarious. Indis- indigestion
3: issues? I am yeah. Mr. Insensitive today. I am Mr. Insensitive today. But, but, you know, it's just one of those things where it's just like, you know, it's just one of those things where I'm just, you know, get off my lawn, you know, just waving my fist at the clouds because I don't understand it, because it doesn't affect me. But then again, that's just me getting older. Maybe that just is what it is. But coming back to Girl Scout Cookies, I was interested to see what is the most popular by state and half the state's have Thin Mints as the most popular, but in Texas, good old Texas, it's Samoas. Those are the ones that come in the purple box. Thin Mints come in green. Orange is the dosidos Dose. And all the other ones, like the lemon one, I guess is yellow and whatnot. I have no desire to try any of those, but I am a sucker. If you ask me to buy a box, I probably will. Okay. You know who's also a sucker for buying Girl Scout cookies?
1: What's that? People leaving medical and legal marijuana dispensaries in the states where it's <laughs> legal. I, I hear that those girls are the ones that clean up.
3: You know, that's called being smart. I mean, that's working smart, not working hard. Working hard, by the way, is one of the most overrated things that you could ever do. It's all about working smart, right? But man, I look at it and, you know, talk about like fundraisers. Man, I've kill right now for one of those world finest candy bars. Do you ever have one of those, Carl? Can't the, say I have. The no. world's finest? Okay, they come at you with their box of, of chocolates and they come by the house. They ring your doorbell and they're like, Would you like to buy some chocolates? And you look at them and and, and it's basically these, these brick candy bars, and they come in different flavors. One's like a rice crispy, one might have almonds, you know, and and man, talk about a sucker for them. I'm gonna gain so much weight or at least flatline over the course of the next two months because I know those are a coming too because people are going to be doing Little League and that's like a Little League thing right there. That's the fundraiser for Little Leagues. That's the fundraiser for Band, you know, Spring Band and stuff like that. Man, that's common, man. And I found, I found, uh, I was looking them up the other day and you can buy them just like without the fundraiser on Amazon because you could buy anything on Amazon. And, um, that's no fun. You know, you buy a fundraiser candy on your own. Gary Murphy reaches out to us on Facebook Live and says, absolutely dosy does. That's what I'm talking about. Dump them in the milk. Even if you're lactose intolerant, it is worth it. Botel Franklin says, I can't eat Samoas because I'm allergic to coconut. That's interesting. That's interesting. But man, I it is you see you say that it's a front. I think that's so funny. Hey, Carl, you know, uh, it's confession time. Maybe we should be playing uh, Confessions by Usher. But anyway, um, I used to run a scam when I was in high school involving candy. And my scam was I used to pretend in high school that I was doing fundraisers for various organizations in school when really what I was doing was I would go to the grocery store, buy a lot of candy, and just sell it and profit off of it. I was a walking vending machine for like two years until I got busted. But by then, I had made hundreds of dollars. How'd you get busted? People can't prove
1: that you didn't donate
3: money. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess I did it too often. I mean, I, if I had done it like one week out of the month, I probably would have been okay. But I got greedy, man. And I would go to the store in my neighborhood called Wins back in the day. Just go to Wins, buy a ton of candy, buy like maybe. Twenty dollars out of it, and by the end of the end of the week, I'd have about eighty to a hundred bucks.
1: Did it all go to the human fund?
3: Yes, yeah. it would go to the human fund. Uh, I was the chairman of that human fund, and I was also the beneficiary of it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I got busted on that. Didn't get in trouble. Trouble. I don't think my parents knew about it. But uh, if they're listening to the show now, now they know about it. But yeah, it's uh, too late for them to do anything. But you know what? It's not that I was up to no good. I was up to capitalism when I was a teen. I mean. I mean, don't hate the player. Hate the game.
1: Yeah, I know people who do stuff like that and, you know, make plenty of money because they didn't even hide behind it. It was just, hey, would you like to pay me a buck for this candy that I bought for 75 cents that you
3: can't get, you know, right now for cheaper? It's called supply and demand. Exactly, It is supply and demand. I have the supply. I have the gum that I bought for five cents that you're willing to pay me 25 cents for. I have the packet of m and m s that I got three for a dollar, and man, if you had a Sams card, you could buy a lot of them you know back in the day, three for a dollar, sell them for fifty cents each, you know all of a sudden i have I have inventory, I have markups, and I would know what people would want to buy based on the time of the day. Dude, again, I could have gotten a job i mean, I could have worked more hours at McDonald's, right, making four twenty five an hour that was my first job in high school, or I could sell candy and and just do that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I lied saying that it was a part of a um, part of a, a fundraiser, but you know, come on, I I, I hurt nobody. Yeah, you needed nobody to raise your hurt. funds. Yeah. I needed to have that Bell Biv DeVoe CD. I needed to have that Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 CD. I needed to have, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. How else did I get it? I had to pay off my Columbia house and BMG music, okay, that put a penny on the thing, send it in, get 12 CDs and have to pay the rest off. I mean, that was my Oh, first... you're going old school on me. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, man. Man, reach out to us on Facebook or YouTube. Do you were you ever part of Columbia House or BMG Music? They would send this brochure in the mail of all of these CDs and cassettes that you can get DVDs and and VHS movies and you ta- you would get a penny and you would tape it onto this cardboard and mail it back along with the 12 CDs or 12 movies that you wanted and they would mail them to you in return, the terms and conditions was you would have to buy from them an additional 12 more. And they marked them up pretty high where you would normally buy a DVD or a CD for like 10 bucks. It might be twenty four ninety nine over there. So they'd get you at the end, but man, the, but the carrot in front of the stick was, Hey, you're buying, you're getting 12 for a penny right now. But you got to you have to pay twenty five dollars a month from here on out until you until we're done, so essentially they were selling it to us on average for fifteen dollars as opposed to ten. But again, it was one of those things where people would go out there and they would get dinged on their credit because, you know, they didn't pay into it. And I wondered, does does Columbia House still have that? Like when did they stop doing that? But man,
1: I don't know. But consumerism in the twentieth century sounds terrible.
3: <laughs> I forget how young you are, Carl. How young you are, consumerism. I mean, that's why I am what's considered to be a zennial. So there is millennials and there's Gen Z, uh, and there's Gen Gen X and Gen Y. So in between Gen X and Z and millennial is the zennial born between years 1976 and 1981, 82, where we identify with both sides. Like we 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 have the old school way and we understand the new school way. We're not afraid of Amazon and. DoorDash and all that stuff, and, and and we buy our groceries online. But at the same time, we remember back in the day of not having the Internet. It's a wild life that we live being born between the years of 75, 76 to about 80, 81. All Very- those infomercials for
1: the best romantic songs, Dude. that
3: cassette uh, set. Dude, I mean, come on, man. I We would all belt out the Michael Bolton, you know, tell me how I'm supposed to live without you. You know, by the way, I'm going to talk about Michael Bolton for a second. Thank you for bringing that up. We all have one song that we enjoy way too much that we will not admit to anybody else. But because I have a radio show and I have a microphone, I will say that I absolutely love the song Said I Loved You But I Lied by Michael Bolton. That is a phenomenal song. If I was giving it a movie review, Said I Loved You But I Lied is probably an A, easy A score. Because no one understands what he's saying in that song. Said I loved you, but I lied doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. He's saying that the word love is not strong enough. Oh, I love that song. That's part of my running mix when I do half marathons. But uh, this is Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. Again, on February 1st, we are moving to 103.3. Stronger systems, stronger signal. Looking forward to it. Hey, Carl. Man, uh, you were talking about working at PetSmart last, uh, yesterday on Halftime. And did you ever have to use, like, the forklifts? Uh, I didn't, but I used the... Uh, you know what? Yes, I did,
1: I did use something like a forklift, but not the actual forklift. Uh, whatever you use, the pallets
3: to move them around, that's yeah. what I used. Dude, I've always been fascinated by that. I swear, every time I go to Home Depot or Lowe's, I'm fascinated by them. And right now, I'm at that stage of life where I realize I probably need to know more about, you know, taking care of the house, about power tools and drills and all that. And I'm hoping that on this show, as time goes on, maybe during the spring and summer, that we start talking about a few things about, you know, do it yourself. What can we do? Make this show kind of a a conversation piece when it comes to things. So the evolution continues here at halftime. But you know what? We're also a sports show, man. So let's get some headlines in. Here's Carl with a the the 4-1-1 in the 2-1-0.
0: Headline
3: 2.
1: Lonzo Ball to have surgery on his knee. He is out 6 to 8 weeks. It was a discussion yesterday going into today that he would be evaluating his options and it seems like the best course of action for Ball is to get his meniscus surgery he will have his meniscus removed not repaired which is a four to six week recovery time period if he were to have it repaired it would have him out almost six months so that's where we're sitting with Lonzo Ball and the Chicago Bulls do
3: you consider Lonzo Ball a bust no I don't either. And I think the sentiment, though, is that he is. I think there are some casual fans out there who are saying, who would say, you know, he's bounced around. He's been with the Lakers. He's been with the Pelicans. Now he's with the Bulls. But the guy can play. I think the problem is, is that the expectations set by his dad was way, way, way too high. And because of that, he kind of set his son up for an unattainable goal, if you will. I hope he's fine I think the guy can play he's a stud out there he does a lot of good things the great passer I'd want him on this team but uh, it's it's sad to see that these players are going down with these injuries man
1: yeah in this particular case it's not like it's uh, anything you can really do about it meniscus tears probably happen more often than we think Joel Embiid played on a torn meniscus in the playoffs last year and He just wasn't the same player. So, you know, you have to get this addressed if you can before the playoffs and hope that he can get back into playing shape sometime around, you know, late March, early April, because they're going to need him if they want to make a good push.
3: Speaking of Joel Embiid, last night, 50 points in 27 minutes. Incredible. And, uh, you know, he was drafted pretty high, right? So sometimes when you get players who are drafted near the top, he was, num- he was projected number one overall until he
1: broke his foot, and then he was taken three.
3: Yeah, it's amazing. The best players are typically taken in the top five. Headline one.
1: Brooklyn's, Brooklyn Nets' Kyrie Irving fined $25,000 after directing an obscene language towards Fan. Obviously, we don't know what it is, but the incident occurred four nineteen left in the second quarter of the Nets' 114-107 loss to the Cavaliers on Monday. As Cleveland, they like to get underneath Kyrie Irving's skin. You remember the whole drama with him opting out? Uh, Irving has appeared in five games for the Nets this season, averaging 22 points and 5.4 assists. So it's good to have him back, but he seems to not feel the same to the fans.
3: It's funny how every sport has this one lightning rod when it comes to anti vax sentiments, right? You you have Aaron Rodgers in the NFL. You know, you have uh, Novak Djokovic in tennis. And you have Kyrie Irving in the NBA. Um, My question is, is that what did the person who was antagonizing him saying because I understand that we want these players to not have outbursts but at some point they also have to defend themselves because words hurt man and words matter sometimes and because of that I want to know what the other person said did it justify it because if the other person called him the n-word if the other person called him said something about his family I think a player has every right in the world to go back and jaw back at them because you know what fair is fair. I like
1: what Charles Barkley said. His solution to this was every player is allowed to hit one fan per game,
3: and that'll solve <laughs> the issue. Dude, I was watching that thirty for thirty of the uh, the melee at the palace, and man, those players, th- those fans were standing up to the players, man, like. Like, like, come at me. Come at me, bro. I'm like, dude, there's no way in the world, Ron Artest, a.k.a. Metaworld World Peace, that I would ever stand up to that dude. That was a lot of beer they were having that night to have that type of courage.
1: Yeah, I think they're, they believe there's an invisible wall that separates them from the, yeah. the athletes and they can say whatever they want. And yeah, probably alcohol or some kind of influence has something to do with it. But I, I would prefer it if the, you know, NBA really did give the players the benefit of the doubt more often, but you also can't be making a public spectacle of yourself on the court if you're Kyrie Irving. Understood. Agreed. Headline zero. Cincinnati Bengals' leading sacker is defensive end Trey Hendrickson. He clears concussion protocols, and he's okay to play Saturday.
3: Okay, you said this is Tampa Bay? This is the Cincinnati oh, Bengals. Oh, Cincinnati. Okay. Their top pass rusher. You know, uh, it's funny because, you know, I, saw, I heard the name and I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That Bengals, is that the Bucks? The fact of the matter is that when it comes to the Bucks, everyone talks about the offense because they have the stars on the offense with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. But when it comes to the defense, the defense is kind of weird. They need everybody there, all hands on deck, because this defense is very reminiscent of the Dallas Cowboys. It is feast or famine. The Cowboys either give up a lot of yards or Tate or or Trayvon Diggs goes crazy and gets lots of interceptions, you know, And, and that's the thing about the Bengals. The Bengals have the better offense compared to like the Cowboys, but defensively, very similar feast or famine. I like the Bengals. They're taking on the Tennessee Titans tomorrow. Jill Jelnick, friend of the show, who's now a sports anchor for the Fox station in Nashville will be on halftime with us tomorrow to talk about the game. I was thinking to myself all week long that the Bengals were going to win this game, especially if they were healthy on the defensive side, but seeing reports and video of Derrick Henry practicing and now being questionable for the game has me questioning it. Who would you have? Do you think if Henry plays, the, the, the Titans win, or do you think that it doesn't matter, the Titans are going to win anyway? You obviously
1: want your best player on the field, and I kind of think that if Henry's good to go, he needs to get out of the get out there sometime. So I would go ahead and say the the Titans are probably going to win anyway. But you get Derrick Henry involved in that, and he's able to be half of what he is. I think that it's Titans even more. But yeah, you know the Bengals are scary. Uh, nobody should take them lightly. Agreed.
0: That's the four one one and a two one zero.
3: Man, I was dying yesterday watching, or listening to The Blitz. Uh, Joe Reinagle and Jason Minnick were talking about this emo festival going on in Las Vegas later on this year. And one of the headliners is My Chemical Romance, right? So this is a band that was really big in the early 2000s. And Joe Reinagle was there saying, man, I've never heard of this band before. And he referred to them properly a few times as My Chemical Romance, or he dropped them "my" and called them Chemical Romance. But at one time, at one point, he called them Romance Chemicals, and I was dying laughing because now forever, whenever I hear that band, I will be thinking of them as the Romance Chemicals. But when we come back, Low from 94.1 will join us to talk about this concert tour and some tours coming up, maybe the rodeo coming up. We have lots of concerts coming in in the next couple of weeks. Let's talk some music. This is Halftime on the San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. We are Paramore! God, I love Paramore. Welcome back to Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. We're on the go at sasportsstar.com. My name's Michael Jimenez. This show goes from 12 to 2. Again, it's sports, pop culture, nostalgia. And speaking of nostalgia, we have Low from Afternoons on Energy 94.1 joining us right now to talk about a big festival going on in Las Vegas that you are super excited about.
4: First of all, thank you so much for having me. This is my first time ever on a sports station, so I'm very, very excited. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, I mean, this has literally taken over everyone's timelines, everyone's Twitter feeds. It is like a dream festival lineup that's actually happening. I mean, Paramore headlining, My Chemical Romance headlining... Taking Back Sunday, which is my favorite band ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's every teen scene queen's dream come true.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's interesting. And last night on the Blitz from four to seven, uh, Jason Menix brought this up, and Joe Eagle was saying that he has never heard of most of these bands. But uh, Aww, my chemical, Joe. my Chemical Romance. You know, I mean, I know I'm not gonna say that I am a fanboy who likes three of their albums, but I know four or five of their songs, yeah. right? But at one point, Joe called them romance chemicals. <laughs> I was like, "Romance chemicals." Uh... <laughs> I'll never be able to see that name ever again without thinking of calling them romance chemicals. So That's he... like
4: the great value version of my chemical <laughs> romance.
3: <laughs> but but why is it so nostalgic thinking about this? Because like you have to be pretty much around. You would have to be what twenty five to about thirty five to like yeah. look at this band, look at these bands like Paramore, My Chemical Romance. Um, Avril Lavigne, I mm-hmm. believe, is part of that tour, yep, absolutely, or tour that that's that uh, show, the festival, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I mean, what does it mean? Like, 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 how would you describe this music to those who do not understand? And, and which bands are you most looking forward to seeing at that festival?
4: Um, lo- lots of great questions. I, I feel like this is a, a perfect thing for you know all of the millennials that are really going at you know through this craziness that we call the pandemic and kind of struggling to feel good about their situations and making good memories and whatnot. So, you know, the, the nostalgia of it just feels like, man, this is bringing me back to, you know, a, a great memorable time in my life. And I'm going to call up my bestie and be like, Hey, we're, we're booking a trip to Vegas. Cause yeah. we're of drinking age now. <laughs> and you know, we can actually like go and, and enjoy this and, and have a good time um so yeah I, I mean it's it's gonna be cool it's 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 gonna be hard I wish the festival was a few days because it's just one day and they're splitting it up from you know early in the morning till till midnight probably when when my chemical romance will go on because they're i, I want to say like the big headliner yeah so it's gonna be tough to see all of the bands that you really want to you're gonna have to you know make some cuts even going back to like myspace top eight like you're gonna have yeah. to <laughs> pick your top eight favorite bands that you're gonna yeah, see yeah
3: you're gonna have to like go and go it's kind of like uh, south by southwest or the acl yeah. festival you can't see everything you, can't. you have to kind of like map out your day and and i'll trade off this person for this one 303 is also going to be there. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, I know they have lots of songs, but obviously their big one was Don't Trust Me. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is one that I wish my daughter, who's a a junior at LSU but is still only 18 years old, that she would be able to go. She'd be 19 at that point. She loves all these bands. But, man, taking my daughter to Vegas when she can't actually enjoy Vegas would be very, very difficult. It's
4: It's definitely a tough one. I think they did this on purpose, too. Um, because (laughs) you would hope that, you know, people of, of age, you know, drinking age will have a little bit more, uh, common sense and, and a little bit more, uh, manners, you know what I mean? For a a big punk rock festival like this. I mean, this is literally Warp Tour, you know, 01 through 09. Grab your your vans,
3: (laughs) throw them on. You know what? I have a, a theory that I'm going to start when it comes to the When We Were Young tour, or I say tour, it's a one-day event.
4: Festival, yeah.
3: When I think of When We Were Young, I think people are thinking about, oh, very nostalgic. When we were young, the song was on the radio, Avril Lavigne, <laughs> 303, Paramore, My Chemical Romance. But when I think of When We Were Young, and I think of the city of Las Vegas, I think of The Killers. Oh, That was The Killers, probably their third or fourth biggest song, and they're from Las Vegas. I bet you they're added on there. Ooh,
4: that actually that actually would be a good one. You, you know what else I think of when we were young? Adele has a big hit called "When We Were Young," and she yes. she's going to be kicking off her Las Vegas residency this weekend. Um, so I don't know if there's a play Whoa. like maybe maybe someone who's like you know uh, a a closet Adele fan that's maybe My Chemical Romance will be like yeah we're going to bring Adele out. You never know. I I think um there's always that opportunity for shock and awe in in vegas for there sure. always is there yeah. always
3: is hey are you familiar with the lovers tour in may
4: that's another big one that's going to be oh happening my in las vegas God. okay
3: so for the demo so we've talked about <laughs> let's switch demos here we've yeah, gone from we've gone from 21 to 35 let's go 35 <laughs> to 49 over here in mid-may there's going to be a festival called lovers and friends in las vegas and i'm taking a look at the rundown here or the lineup here lauren hill Ashanti, Ja Rule, Timbaland, Genuine, Sean Paul, Usher, Ludacris, Little John, Neo, Trey Songz, Akon, T-Pain, Mace, TLC, Sierra, Nelly, Brandy, Monica, Lil' Kim, Eve, John B., who I love me some John B. Uh, so many, Drew Hill, Sean Kingston, Trick Daddy. Man, TLC. Yeah, well, what's left of TLC, know, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's 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 so interesting because like this is basically music from 1992 to about 03. I mean, I guess uh, Beautiful Girls by Sean Kingston would probably wrapped it all up, right? That
4: was like a 06 record, Okay, I, I remember uh, listening to that in high school. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but it's it's so funny because I love going to these uh, festivals and, and whatnot. I've been to them in Austin. Uh, I've been to festivals in Dallas. I'm gonna tell you how old I am. I'm 44 years old. Oh, <laughs> I went to a festival. I have a teenage daughter who's 18 years old at LSU. I have a nine-year-old daughter but back in 1996, I went to the Blockbuster Video free concert in Fort Worth, Texas, at the, uh, the Texas Motor Speedway. Here was the lineup. It was like, okay, think back. This was 96. Okay. These were new bands. They, they, were, they, were, they were top of the charts at this point, right? I had
4: just gotten my first Spice Girl CD. Oh,
3: okay. Okay, good. <laughs> the lineup consisted of No Doubt, oh. Bush... Wow! Third Eye Blind, Matchbox Twenty, Jewel, Collective Soul, Presence of the United States of America, um, it, what was it called? Uh, there was Paula Cole, there was Jewel, there was there was like so many different bands that performed there, and it was like an all day thing, and they weren't doing 25 minute long sets. Collective Soul, by the way, had the best set I have ever seen because i remember they had that song uh, shine mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah <laughs> and, and anyway so they were they, you know they would do that part and they finished the song and everybody in the crowd over 120,000 people were there because it was a free concert right and everyone started doing the yeah yeah even though the song was over they went back to the middle of the song
4: and started it off. i'm going to
3: let it shine i'm going to let it shine yeah and then all, then they they went back and then they went back it was one of the greatest Amazing. concerts I've ever been to. What's the best concert you've oh, ever been to? Oh,
4: jeez. That's a hard question. And what's the
3: worst concert you've <laughs> ever been to?
4: Um, the best concert I've ever been to, Hmm. I mean, honestly, it's, it's very similar to this When We Were Young festival. So I grew up in South Florida and a, a, a rock radio station out there would put on what they call Buzz Bake Sale. Mm-hmm. and it's a kind of a mini like rock festival and that's the first time i ever saw my chemical romance paramore 30 seconds to mars uh slightly stupid real big fish i mean it was just a big big festival that would that they would put on at the fairgrounds so i've been to probably five or six of those so you know i i can't collectively pick one out because they were all just so really good uh, so, so I gotta say, Buzz Bake Sale, just in general, gotta be yeah. my favorite. The worst concert I've ever been to. I don't, I don't know that I've ever been to a a, a bad show. I mean, may, maybe it was so bad I I decided to to uh, drink to the point where I wouldn't remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's probably where I'm at with that. But I mean. You just got to love live music in general, you know? I've never been to really a bad show.
3: Except Rocky at ACL. Easy. Really? That was the worst one? And so, I like ASAP. So
1: I went to weekend two of ACL, and I saw him, and he was like 10 minutes late, whatever. He comes out. He was like, "It was it's my birthday, y'all. He had like a milkshake he drank during the concert. A milkshake? Like, yeah, he literally was looking into a camera, drinking the milkshake while his song was playing in the background. And then he was apologizing for what happened the week before. And he left a little early, and then I I asked a friend who was there the week before. I was like, "What happened?" It's like he didn't even show up. He came like ten minutes. He was clearly messed up on something, mm-hmm. and then that was it. And I'm like, "Well, he realizes that nobody that was there last week came to this week's show, right?" But I guess not. And
3: yeah, he was pretty bad then, but he was even worse the week before. Carl mentions ASAP Rocky. When I think of ASAP Rocky, <laughs> I think of the skit he did on SNL with Childish Gambino, where they're making fun of Migos. That's I what that's think what I of think Rihanna
4: of. now because she's literally making him famous. So
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned yesterday on the show that Rihanna, I was like 10 feet from her one time about 12 years ago. Oh. Uh, it, was like, it was like looking at a statue. It was just, just beautiful. I
4: hear she smells really good, too. I've never met her didn't, personally, but that's what everybody says.
3: Didn't get that close, but I was halfway <laughs> fainting, so I'm not sure. Worst concert I ever went to was uh, Mary J. Blige. Oh no! Yeah, you know those those stories that she talks about how she would go on stage and she was inebriated.
4: Really, I think that it was, was one of those. I think
3: it was one of those. Darn. One of the funniest ones I went to was Montel Jordan of "This Is How We Do It." <laughs> okay, fame. he sang five songs. The first one was "This Is How We Do It." The third one was "This Is How We Do It," and the fifth one. Was this is how we do it? Was
4: it a troll, or did he just forget? <laughs>
3: no, he, I, he gave the people what they want. Okay, you know? hey, nothing
4: you know, wrong with we, that. We all
3: knew that he stood six seven. Apparently, at the end of the songs, <laughs> um, the best ones I've been to, I've been to a lot of good rock ones. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots were, were amazing. I've seen them five times. Uh, you know, before Scott Weiland's passing, uh, most recently uh, a few years back, I saw the uh, Weezer tour with Panic at the Disco.
4: I went to that show.
3: Uh, I, went yeah. to, I went to the one in Corpus. I don't know which one you okay. went to. I think,
4: I think they did. So, you know, I, I just got here from Oregon. So um, they had to have done a Portland or a Seattle show. I, I definitely went to that tour. I also saw Weezer. Um, they did. Uh, it was a summer concert series with the Tampa Bay Rays. So mm-hmm. the Rays would bring out uh, like, a you know, a big artist after some of their big their big uh, games. And uh, Weezer was one of them. And we actually got to go on to the field nice. with Weezer. It was epic.
3: I went to a concert that was a free one. Remember the March Man Oh, you weren't here in San Antonio. So March Madness was here a few years back. Okay. And it was uh it was Maroon 5 was here with One Republic cool. and uh uh there was a couple other uh, acts out there. It was it was a good concert and lots of people showed up, right? Probably 20,000 people going for a free concert. When they had the March Madness about 5 years ago in Dallas, the headliner it was the headliners were it was the weirdest concert, by the way. Um, <laughs> opening up was, was LL Cool J. Okay. And then after that was Tim McGraw.
4: Okay. And then
3: after that was Fun. And then after that was The Killers.
4: That sounds like my Apple Music playlist right <laughs> <Exactly>. there. <laughs> it's just like so eclectic.
3: <laughs> so The Killers are going to be p- performing at night because they were going to be also live halftime on CBS. Okay. They were going to show that, right? Well, about an hour and a half before the killers were to take the stage, a monsoon of a storm came by. And it wasn't like, oh, it rained a little bit. We're talking about 30, 40-mile-per-hour winds, sideways rain. Everybody left.
4: Oh, no. And
3: we huddled under this tent, right, under this, like, AT&T tent. And we made our way back. And there were only, like, maybe about 400 of us there when the killers took the stage. And they did the whole concert. And I have pictures. I'll show you on my phone. There were... They were the only one. We had like four or five hundred people there. It was so great. And it's this whole huge festival. I have photos from like, you know, of, of Brandon Flowers. You know, he's only like ten feet from me. It yeah. was so cool. But I've seen them five times. They are great with every, every show. But so good. But I'm looking forward to it. But man, Lo, we hope – welcome to Halftime. Thank we hope, you. We hope that you're a, a normal presence here. People are excited that I li- you're Literally, here. Like
4: Rob and Joe just walked by like waving, waving like you. little kids. Like exciting. Yeah, I'm, we're, I'm warming up your chair, Joe.
2: We're, we're, we're talking about the romance chemicals, Joe.
3: We're talking about the romance chemicals. But uh, that is low from Energy94.1. You can hear her on the afternoons. Outstanding. Follow her on Twitter as well.
4: At It's Low Radio. Thanks for the plug.
3: Outstanding. Hey, we're going to put a bow on the show on the other side. This is Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM.
0: This is Joe Reinagle, drive home with Jason Minix and me, today at 4, ESPN 1250
3: and 94.5 FM. It's halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. We're on the go at sasportstar.com. It's been a fun show. I've enjoyed it. Hey, uh, Carl, any of those bands intrigue you, man? I mean... My Chemical Romance, Paramore, you know, Avril Lavigne.
1: We're going back to like the late 2000s, early 2010s. Yeah, I, I like them. I like their songs.
3: I don't know if I like them enough to go see them in concert. You know, it's um, it's interesting because one of the things I like about music is that you sometimes hear a musician pass on a song. We talk about that with movies all the time. Like, you know, Edward James almost was supposed to be in Blood In, Blood Out, but then he backed out, you know, and, and this other person came in. You know, Will Smith was supposed to be Neo in The Matrix, but then he uh, backed out. No, I didn't know and, that. And, and Keanu Reeves became it. So I'm always interested in that. But there's also that when it comes to music, because there are certain songs out there that are very, very popular by certain artists, but they were intended for other people. So some examples are like, you know, the song Chandelier by Sia? Can't say I do. Okay, I'm not going to do the shadahalia. I'm not going to do that part of the song. But it's a very big song. That was supposed to be for Rihanna. And I was on TikTok the other day, and they were showing how, and I'm going back to this festival, this emo festival, essentially, in Vegas. Avril Lavigne's on there. There was a song that she made a demo about, and you can YouTube this demo. And I saw it on TikTok, a song called Breakaway. And she did a pretty decent job on it, but she passed on it, and that song became a big hit for Kelly Clarkson. And it's weird because Avril Lavigne has had a very successful career, but I, "Breakaways" is a good song. song. Yeah, but can you imagine her singing that song? You know, it's just it's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, you, you know, you, you hear about that all the time. It, it makes me wonder why it's okay in some genres like country to redo songs that people have already done. Meanwhile, like, in rap, obviously, they they actually have really made it a part of the culture in rap. The beats don't get out. The only yeah. time you hear the beat is when my voice is on it kind of thing. Like, I think Kanye has paid his producers, like, quarter million dollars an album, if not more than that, to make sure that it doesn't leak and nobody can do their own mixtapes on it, because it, there, there was a thing once upon a time, it's like, did somebody do that song better because of the beat, you know? So... It's kind of
3: funny how that, you know, culture is different from genre to genre. Those are the what ifs about sports, music, and movies, which I love, and we're going to incorporate in this show because, you know, um, we talk about like Edward James almost should have been this, and Avril Levine should have sang this. You know, blurred lines, which was a Robin Thicke mm-hmm. huge song for Robin Thicke, uh, was was could have been a Justin Timberlake song. You know, and then you go into sports, you do the what ifs in sports, like what if Kawhi Leonard had not landed on Zaza's. Ankle. What if, you know, uh, you know, what if, what if Drew Bledsoe didn't get injured and Tom Brady didn't take over? It's so interesting to talk about the what ifs because, you know, life is is weird, man. Life uh, comes and goes pretty fast, and I think uh, Ferris Bueller had it correct. You know, you don't uh, take time to look around every once in a while, you might miss it. But uh, man, this has been a fun show. Hey, Spurs back in action tomorrow night against the Brooklyn Nets. Here at the at&t center lots of tickets available come on man let's pack the at&t center let's support these spurs because not only do you get to see dejounte murray flirt with a triple double like he always does has eight for the season you get a chance to welcome back lamarcus aldridge and more importantly welcome back patty mills patty mills back in the house at the at&t center Man, he could potentially be the sixth man of the year this year. Uh, I'm expecting a video tribute. Carl, is there going to be a tribute? Do you know? Oh, I'm sure there will be. For both of them, maybe.
1: Has Marcus come back? I don't know if Marcus has come back to San Antonio since last season after the trade deadline.
3: Yeah, I was talking to Jeff from Locked On Spurs about it, and he was saying that uh, it was a comeback for him, too. So I'm assuming that this is his first time back because last season he missed a lot of time. You know, he retired. Yeah, he, he only played like two weeks. Yeah, so yeah, so we get to welcome them back. And, you know, Patty Mills is somebody that I believe should have his jersey retired here with the team. The precedent has been set on this because we have Bowen's jersey up there. We have Avery Johnson's. Avery Johnson gets it because he knocked down the game-winning shot to win the first title for the Spurs back in 99 against the Knicks. I get that. Um, you know, Bowen was a big part of the defense in their run. Uh, obviously, Tim, Tony, and Manu. Gervin, because he's an all-time great. Robinson, because he's a champion, and all-time great. So I understand all that. Patty Mills, though, you know, he was not a starter. He was a bench player. And I'm taking a look up there at the Raptors. Would he be the first bench player? Well, I guess Manu, but Manu played starter minutes. Kind of interesting. What do you think, San Antonio? Reach out to me on Twitter. That That's going to be a good poll for tomorrow. Should Patty Mills have his jersey retired? I'm at Mike ESPN SA on Twitter. This has been a fun show. Carl, thanks for being my co-host and producing this show. Minix and Ryan Eagle will be here at 4 o'clock for the Blitz, three hours of fun. But this is halftime on the San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM and on the go at SASportsStar.com.